Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. So um, we're going to get into the scriptures. Uh, We're going to be looking, as I said, Hosea um, chapter 11 and then Matthew chapter 2. Last week I highlighted uh, the challenges of waiting and the frustration of waiting and particularly around uh, the traffic lights and and the nature of uh, waiting at red traffic lights, particularly if you're running late. Um, and that always seems to extend the time that you are late. Um, I extend, you know, I know it can be challenging around Horsham with the eight to ten sets of traffic lights that we have in the area um, to get from one side of town to the other because it's all so far. Um, that, thank you. Um, that, sorry, did you, uh, some of you not picking up my sarcasm there or just a bit, yeah, okay. Um, so the whole traffic lights, Andrea actually, uh, we play this game called, uh, what is it called, Trivia Crack or something? Andrea and I don't do it with anyone else because uh, it's just a game called Trivia Crack. I can't, I don't make the names, mate. That's what it's called. I'm sorry if it's upset you. Um, so this trivia game that Andrea and I play, uh, and Andrea had this question, Asking how many, how long would you spend at traffic lights or at red lights specifically in your lifetime? Anyone want to hazard a guess? Two and a half years, going two and a half years. Anyone want to go any more or less on two and a half years? How much time in your lifetime would you spend at red traffic lights? Do you think a month? So we've gone down from two and a half years to a month. The answer to the question was two weeks. Now, you put, oh, Olivia, well done, didn't hear that, I'm sorry. So, put this in perspective, and I did some Google research as far as my uh, Googling capacity goes. Um, the average life expectancy in Australia in 2021 is about 83 and a half years. Some of you have exceeded that, congratulations. Some of you, you know, you might struggle if you keep going the way that you're going. Um, the amount, <laughs> sorry, just, are you getting the sarcasm yet or not? I just, uh, so 83 and a half year, years is about 4,368 weeks. And we will complain about the length of time we spend at the traffic lights. Two weeks is the maximum time out of 4,368 weeks. You think there'd be a lot of other things that we can complain about, wouldn't you? over 4,368 weeks of our expected lifetime. So we want to... Uh, perspective's important in waiting, is the point in all that. Perspective. Next time you're at the red traffic lights, it's okay. It's only two weeks. <laughs> you're running late? It's okay. I'm just waiting here for two weeks of my life. That's it. Perspective is important. And in this... All that to say, we want to invite you in this moment just to breathe deeply. Catch your breath. Pause. This is actually a photo from Monday night that a friend took and shared with me. And we want to give you time and space today for God to speak.
Waiting can be unbearable, can't it? It can be awkward. It can be frustrating. It can be disorienting. It can be disheartening. It can be uncertain. It can cause this enormous amount of upheaval for us to wait. To wait. But it's also an invitation, I believe, and I hope that we're capturing this over the next, over the last few weeks, and over today and next Sunday. It's also an invitation to know God with us. Now, I don't know about you. When you're in the middle of waiting, or when you're in the middle of upheaval or uncertainty, when you're in the middle of disoriented, being disoriented, you know what you have known and what you don't yet know. You're in between that space. I don't know about you. The first thing that I don't think is, "Oh, God with us." Ah. Is that your experience? But we want to explore what it might mean today through these passages to know that God is with us in the struggle and the heartache that can often come through life. The upheaval that we've all felt is critical as we navigate this. And as we think about God with us, we've invited Lester and Kirsty to share their experience of how they have known God with them. Uh, my wife is Shirley, and uh, we moved to uh, Horsham about six years ago after I retired from farming. Uh, yes, I uh, spent uh, the previous whole of my life at Yannick um, on the farm, which my father uh, farmed before me, and, uh, and so uh, pretty well all of my life has been spent there um, on that farm, and uh, either living there as a kid or working it um, as the owner. Um, I have seemingly known about Jesus from the, my, my very beginning, thanks to having godly parents and dedicated Sunday school teachers who um, introduced me to Jesus um, from uh, uh, my infancy, really. And, uh, and so I've always known about um, God and about Jesus. And then uh, in my later teen years, I committed my life to him and uh, have uh, continued on to uh, um, serve him um, since that time. Uh, I also have uh, Christian siblings who uh, also encouraged me um, along the way as well. I've no doubt about God's being here with me and uh, my lifetime of farming has uh, given me the opportunity to, uh, uh, to experience God's uh, provision and his grace and his care for me um, and my family uh, um, over a, a lifetime. And so I've, uh, I can continue to thank the Lord for his presence uh, with me and, uh, and the peace that he gives me. Um, as I uh, uh, continue to live in, through whatever the circumstances are, uh, whether they be uh, uh, good or ill. And, uh, and so some of the time we've been um, yeah, experiencing some, some things that we might never thought, that I might have never thought would be uh, something that, uh, that I would be uh, going through. The one of the highlights of of what has been these uh, last uh, year and a half has been my experiences at the 
um, Christian Emergency Food Centre where I volunteer one day a week. And uh, I've been able to continue to um, help out there um, throughout the whole of that time. And uh, it's become perhaps the, the highlight of my week that uh, being able to be there um, joining in with the uh, the volunteers that are there. Um, I find it uh, encouraging and a rewarding place to be uh, able to serve and to see God at work through that uh, building and through the uh, volunteers that um, um, who who, vol who come there and uh, and give their time to uh, to serve their community and the Lord and so it has been uh, um, a, ho a highlight for me for the week uh, you know considering I haven't been able to go to church and haven't been able to go and do some of the other things which we uh, normally did and so uh, um, I uh, I'm, I'm thankful for having that uh, experience to be able to uh, be part of. And so uh, I've been able to experience God's uh, um, care over this time and, uh, and I've uh, have, have enjoyed that. And uh, I've been able to uh, learn to rely on him. Uh, in the uh, words of a, one of my late mother's favourite songs, I'm in his hands, I'm in his hands, Whatever the future holds, I'm in his hands. My name is Kirsty. I'm the eldest in my family. I have my mum, dad, um, myself, Brianna and Josh. I've been sort of like a second mum to my brother Josh and he absolutely adores that. <laughs> this year's been a bit of a roller coaster. Um, definitely made me have more time with God. Um, and to deepen my relationship with him. So definitely felt God with us, especially through um, the stress of work and the stress of life recently. Even with what church looks like, we have had church at home with my family, um, which has been really good. Um, close, more closeness with God and my family. Um, reading the Bible together and praying together as well has been really important. I have been in life in my life group for, uh, gosh, it should be two, three years now. Um, so I've created really close relationships with a lot of other young adults. Um, and then having that healthy discussion together about God and his word and our different takes and opinions on that has been really important. Um, it's been really good to have slight variations in what we think and then to have that really healthy um discussion around it. Just to know, like moving back home, um, having friends and family to help support us through that, to get us back home, all the furniture you, you get, um, just moving out home even for just over 12 months. Um, had a friend from work, um, his partner had a huge truck, which helped move everything in the one go instead of having to do several trips, which truly was a blessing for us. Also made the decision to get baptized this year. Um, that was really important for me. I probably did leave it a little bit to the last minute because I get nervous. <laughs> um, but it, the sense of peace and the sense of knowing that is what God had called me to do, to really find that foundation in him in my relationship and to 
um, take that next step in my walk with God and to, yeah, just be obedient to him. The turning point to make the decision to get baptised probably was, I have thought about it a lot um, growing up in the church. Mum and dad have had conversations with us and I felt that I needed to be sure of my own faith, my own walk with God. I remember watching, uh, being a part of a baptism service just before all the COVID restrictions and everything locked us all out and um, walking away going, oh, I should have done that, should have been a part of that. So um, I think that final push was to make sure I didn't miss out again, (laughs) especially being in person and to have um, the church family around me was really important. My own personal prayer time and devotional time with God have grown and um, learned a lot through that. Um, also, the going to church as well, having um, that relationship with God there and then within my life um, in every aspect outside of it as well. Just those little times of prayer, um, those little times of praise as well, um, that through all things he is with me and that he loves me and that he is good and he has a plan for me in my life and I don't need to be fearful and I know that he has me and he has my situation. Some beautiful uh, testimonies and expressions of uh, love and uh, nature of God with us. Hosea lived in a brutal time of upheaval. Uh, Such was the brutality of the time that there was a succession of four or five kings who were each murdered by their successor. (laughs) Brutal kind of time. he, Hosea spoke to the people of Israel, God's people, over a period of 38 years. This is how we're introduced to Hosea in uh, Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman. That is, a woman who sleeps around with whoever she cho- so chooses and feels like. And have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Hosea and this woman uh, have three children, um, which you might want to put away in your memory banks, anyone thinking about having children. Uh, The first one they called Jezreel, because I'll put an end to the kingdom of Israel. Imagine having that over your name. They conceived again, and they had a daughter and named her uh, Lo-Rahama, for I will no longer have pity on the house of Israel or forgive them. And then uh, they had their third child, Lo-Ami, for you are not my people and I am not your God. Ouch! That'd fill you with confidence, wouldn't it? That'd fill you with confidence. Now, a couple of things, aside from the names of the children, a couple of things here. Imagine being the guy that wakes up one day and says, hmm, I feel like God is telling me to go and marry a prostitute. Maybe you didn't find that so funny. Like, if I stood up and said that to you today, most all of you would think I'm off my tree, yeah? Like, that's just... Imagine being that guy, right? Just... 
I mean, this is the kind of time, this is, we struggle to get this around our heads, aside from the fact that I'm already happily married. I mean, that's a crazy thing to think and suggest. And then imagine being the wife that he chose based on that condition. Imagine being Goma. Oh, Goma, you're promiscuous. Oh, gee, thanks very much. How to make a woman feel good. It's just a couple of interesting facts there, if you like. I just find, you must wonder what happens in my head sometimes. <laughs> so do I. Um, chapter 2 of Hosea, and I didn't want to go too much into it. You go and read it. I mean, it's just a, an incredible kind of read. Chapter 2 uh, tells the image of a broken marriage. Goman doesn't remain faithful to Hosea. Surprise, surprise. And God tells Hosea, and Hosea tells the people of God, his marriage is that like the marriage or the covenant between God and his people, God and his creation, the hopes and the dreams that he had for his nation, for his people, are like Hosea's marriage to Goma. And it sounds like and it feels like that God is vindictive and angry, and yet it actually reveals God's desire to restore relationship. Have a listen to this from Hosea chapter 3. The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Now, some of us will be sitting here and going, man, this is, I, I can't handle this. This is why I don't believe in God. Yep, that might be true. I can understand that. Stick with me. Stay with the story a bit. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes, the sacred food of other gods, the sacred food of what the other things that are happening in their life the other opportunities that they can participate in, the sacred things of the community that don't come from God. So I brought her, keep that in mind, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. And if you want to know what those measurements equal, do your own research. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man and I will behave the same way toward you. Now, this is mind-boggling kind of concept about relationship, but essentially what's happening here is God is demonstrating the struggle of his heart and his desire of his love for his people that they are not getting, and quite frankly, we still don't get. Because we chase after the raisin cakes. We go and pursue the things that might be happening around us that look so much more attractive. So much easier to access. So much easier to participate in. God lifted his people out of slavery. He invited, oh sorry, and I want you to hear the heart of God. I want you to hear the heart of God in this. So 11, uh, Hosea chapter 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals or to the other gods and they brought burned incense to images, things that aren't real. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realise it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and I bent down to feed them. 
Will they not return to Egypt and will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? A sword will flash in their cities. It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me, even though they call me God most high. I will by no means exalt them. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Admar? How can I make you like Zebium? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again. For I am God, and I am not man, the Holy One among you. The Holy One among you. I will not come against their cities. God lifts his people out of slavery, continues to invite people out of slavery, out of condemnation, out of fear, out of shame, out of guilt, into a new way of being, into a new way of seeing ourselves, into a new way of experiencing who we are. And we constantly go back to the old ways. We constantly pursue the images of other gods. He invites us into a way of being with him and with one another. And we become distracted by and attracted by what is happening around us. At some point, we become convinced that everything that God has done isn't quite enough. See, it's easy to be faithful while we are getting rescued. It's easy to believe in God while we're crying out to him. It might even be easy to God in the midst of struggle and hardship and upheaval to be calling out to God and saying, well, come on, show up. Where are you? And this is the nature of the people of Egypt, the people of Israel. They go into captivity, they call out, God saves them. They become overwhelmed by nations around them, they call out, God saves them. And then we have the audacity to say God is an angry, vengeful, vindictive God. It's more difficult to be faithful when we see people around us who live freely and seem to do whatever they want without any apparent consequences. And particularly as generations, the younger generations have more influences and more voices coming into them and the the challenge of more. We want more and somehow we've got to keep up. We've got to keep the entertainment value going. And yet God keeps simply saying, I am with you. Return to me. Know me so that you might know yourself more fully. But we find the gods around us, the bowls, the raisin cakes, whatever it might be, more attractive. And we become overwhelmed by the demands and the ways of those around us. And following God or knowing God or even believing that God is with us becomes too hard. We become too busy. We become too tired. God asks too much. It's too uncomfortable. It's too costly. 
God hasn't come through or we don't see the difference or someone upset me in 1995. And in the midst of the mess and the upheaval, in the midst of the disorientation and the uncertainty, God operates differently. He won't abandon his people. The Holy One, the one set apart, the one beyond all created things who is part of all created things. The psalmist writes it like this in chapter 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Now, I, I think it's easy to read this text and we read the text and we go, God will somehow reach down and, and pluck us out. God will somehow give us um, what's needed. And I believe he can do a miracle. And I, I do believe that he can give us what's needed at that critical time that will change the circumstances. But my experience and the questions and the conversations that I've been having with God uh, and with other people, uh, it's, I, I can't help. This verse struck me that quite simply says, my help is the presence of God. My help and my refuge is God with us. And then I'm fascinated by the prayer in John chapter 17 that Jesus offers. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. What kind of God is this? It's a God who understands. A God who knows. A God who participates. A God who is with us. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them or continue to make them holy. Work out your holiness in them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. My prayer is that you not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Whatever mess we create or whatever mess others create, God with us. God pursues us. God's seeking us. And so we get to this story in Matthew chapter 2. When they had gone out, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Whew. That's a pretty tough circumstance, isn't it? That's a bit messy. That's a huge upheaval. That must be hugely disorienting. So he got up, he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. Egypt, going back to slavery. You're getting that? You're joining that? Where he stayed until the death of Herod and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is the story 
of the people of Israel being called out of Egypt all over again. This is a story of people being called out of slavery all over again. This is a confusing story. This is a story of upheaval, uncertainty, disorientation and disruption, is it not? And anyone who reads this is confused because this is not a neat, comfortable little Christmas story, is it? It's not the Christmas story we often like to consider. Now, let me give you some picture. And I only heard this, this last week. I was listening to another message. Herod ruled um, in his vicinity uh, for 37 years. The Roman Empire liked Herod because he kept the Jews under control. For 37 years, Herod killed over 1 million people. And often... Just because he heard on the grapevine or he thought he had some idea that someone was seeking to take his throne. Sound familiar? This is not the first time that Herod's felt challenged or at risk by someone taking his throne. 37 years and is renowned and remembered for killing historically at least a million people in his lifetime. So uptight is this guy that he takes a whole lot of Jewish ladies captive and he asks his royal guard uh, when he dies to go and kill all those Jews that he's taken captive so at least there will be some mourning throughout the city knowing that nobody will mourn for him. They'll at least mourn for those he has killed at his death. Like wrap your head around that kind of guy. I mean, this, this is crazy stupid, isn't he? That's power. So here's the question in all this, just in case you think I've forgotten about the Christmas story. In disorientation, in disruption, in upheaval or uncertainty, which king are you following? What will give you the most comfort? Where will you find the most peace? Where will you find the greatest strength? Where will you discover the depth of hope and love that we all long for? I want to suggest it's not in Herod. And yet so many of us will follow the Herods of the world because, man, they're tough, because they're strong, because they deliver. I read this today from uh, Reverend Dr. Glenn Packham, I think you'd say his name, the difference between how Herod and I would suggest many other people in positions of power use power and Jesus use power. Firstly, Herod eliminates threats and liabilities. Jesus elevates the marginalized and the lonely. Herod protects his power. Jesus protects the vulnerable. Herod's reign results in weeping. Jesus' reign results in worship. We need to choose who or what will have authority in our lives. The one who, will rule, the one who rules out of fear or the one who releases us from fear and slavery. Will we follow one 
who seeks power through whatever means necessary and the things of this world that make us feel like we have power and hold power and have control of our lives, or the one who came as a child who declares that he is with us and humbled himself to death and is raised up again into new life. Now, some of us sitting here today might feel like that God is ignoring us or ignoring the struggle and that he has cast us out. I mean, it's not hard to see in our news, is it? There's poverty, there's wars, there's famine, there's corruption, there's uncertainty, upheaval, disruption, disorientation. And that's nothing, you know, what's happening globally, the uh, tornadoes through Kentucky, the floods down eastern Australia, the typhoons through Philippines. I mean, just, and I mean, go and search for some news stories outside of the snippets that you watch on the mainstream media of what's happening, don't worry about the pandemic, go and see what else is happening in the world. And it would be easy to say, where is God? And that doesn't even bring about the personal kind of questions. Why doesn't God bring change to my husband, to my wife? Why doesn't God save my children? Why doesn't God stop the violence in our community? Why can't God, why didn't God heal? Why did God take my child? Why did God allow that? Where is God? And I would argue the story of Hosea and the story of Matthew reminds us that God is with us, amongst us. The Holy One amongst us. Sometimes the mess is in the waiting and it's the anticipation of stepping into new ways and knowing this disrupts systems or how we think we should behave or respond. And it's a challenge for anyone who declares Jesus as Lord. Do we pursue the kingdom of this world or do we pursue the kingdom of peace? Do the things of this world overwhelm us or do we accept the things of this world and that God is doing something in us and through us because he has said that he is with us and he will bring something beautiful out of that, something beyond anything that we could ever ask or imagine? Are we willing to trust him in that as he shapes that and forms that and creates that? Or will we go about making it for ourselves and declaring ourselves our own gods, our own kings, building our own kingdoms? Will we get caught up in the wrapping of this season, the gift buying? And you know, I'm not against any of that. I do all that. I participate in all that. But will that be our drive and our motivation? Will we be overwhelmed by the business and then look forward to the rest at the end of it all? Or we know God with us as the one who brings us our rest? See, the one who is with us is affected by our suffering. The one who is with us has compassion on us, for us. in our disorientation, in the disruption, the upheaval, the uncertainty. And there's no greater way that this is shown through his death where he shows us the extent of his love, the depth and the power of his love, the wonder of his healing, which frees us from slavery and invites us into new life with him. And through this, we can know 
God with us. The Holy One amongst us. God is our help. God is our refuge. Father, we want to thank you for your love. We thank you for the depth, the overwhelming nature of your love. Forgive us because we so easily and too easily lose sight of your presence with us. And we quickly pursue our own ways. We quickly pursue things apart from you. And we lose sight of you, which only increases our angst and our frustration, our sense of disappointment. Father, draw us back to you. Father, I pray in this room right now for people watching online in their homes or wherever they might be, whenever they might be, feeling a sense of loss and hardship, feeling overwhelmed with the circumstances of this world and this life, feeling like there's nothing shifting. Father, I want to pray that your spirit will speak now and will speak powerfully your peace and your love and your presence, your rest. That people would know the power and the strength, the joy and the wonder of your name. the hope of your presence with us in all things and through all things, the overwhelming nature of your compassion, that you would speak your truth into each of us now because of your love for us. And friends, as we do, we want to invite you into uh, conversation or prayer if there's Um, I'm going to ask the team to finish off just with a a song of praise, just declaring the beautiful name of Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus. And with that song, we'll close. I just want to ask, as we stand and sing this song, if you need to sit or stand or kneel and allow this song to wash over you, then allow that to happen. If you'd like some prayer, then I invite you to come forward and receive that prayer. If you want to know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Saviour, if you want to declare that today, then I invite you to come forward or speak to someone here that you trust. If you're watching online, please visit horsham.org.au and uh, visit the contact page and let us know so that we can contact you throughout the week. But this time and this space to know the beautiful, powerful name of Jesus is not just a song or words that can make us feel good. It's to know God with us.